If Teachers Pay Teachers, now known as TPT, has ever been something that you want to pursue or you're currently pursuing it and would like to take it to the next level, you must listen to this special episode of the Teachers Who Quit podcast as I speak with Megan, who is a former teacher turned TPT seller and literacy expert. Megan is the creator of The Literacy Dive, a one-stop shop for engaging hands-on literacy resources that help students develop a love for reading and writing. And in this episode, Megan shares her journey from the classroom to entrepreneurship and offers valuable insights on how to elevate literacy instruction in your own classroom or TPT business. Megan is someone I actually know in real life. We went to the same church together, and Megan is a literacy specialist now living in Nashville, Tennessee. She has over a decade of teaching experience across elementary grades, and she's taught from kindergarten to second grade and fourth grade. Megan has gained a true love for upper elementary whenever she was able to realize how a large learning gap was present for so many third, fourth, and fifth grade students. Many of her students would enter her classroom at a first or second grade level, and she viewed every challenge as an opportunity and made it a personal mission to set out and do whatever it took to grow her students. She ventured on to become an interventionist where she serviced students kindergarten through fifth grade in the area of reading and writing. This has also afforded her the opportunity to work alongside other teachers as they work to grow their understanding and effectiveness in literacy instruction. So whether you're a teacher trying to look for something new to do or a former teacher turned entrepreneur looking to make a difference, this episode is not to be missed. And now a word from our sponsor. Are you a teacher or former teacher looking for high quality digital teaching resources at an affordable price? Look no further than Creative Fabrica's Teacher Club Card. For just $2.99 a year, you'll get access to over 10,000 digital teaching resources with no obligations and the ability to cancel at any time. Plus, you can download up to five resources per week for a total of 260 per year. And the best part? 100% of subscription fees are paid directly to teachers. Sign up for Creative Fabrica's Teacher Club Card for $2.99 for the year using the link in the description and show notes today and support your fellow educators and former educators. Welcome to the Teachers Who Quit podcast, the number one podcast for teachers who quit or really want to. And I'm your host, Tierney, your ex-teacher bestie. Enjoy the show. Hello, Megan, and welcome to the Teachers Who Quit podcast. I am so excited to have you on this episode. How are you doing today? Hello, I'm really excited to be here chatting with you. I'm doing well today, doing well, cannot complain. I'm so glad to hear that. And for those who are tuning in, um, today we're all focused on, of course, highlighting another former teacher, but specifically turned entrepreneur. We're going to discuss a little bit about how Megan's work is really helping to elevate literacy instruction for teachers as well as students. Um, So this is Megan from the Literacy Dive, and I'm sure some of you probably even know all about the great work that she does. True TPT superstar and um, also Instagram star as well. I'm like, I need to get on your level, ma'am. But anywho, I'm really excited because something that y'all may Y'all don't know. There's no way that you know this, but um, Megan and I actually went to the same church. And you know what's funny is um, I believe I met you at a friend's birthday dinner gathering thing. I think that was the first time that I met you. And then from there, I would honestly see you um, like serving. Because I always come to church with my mom. And so we, even though we were at one, we lived in one particular section. I won't share too much about my whereabouts. But when um, we would always go to the main campus of the church. And I always see you yep. out there greeting. But yes, I'm really excited because when I just stumbled, literally stumbled across your account. 
And this was before, like, you had even grown to, like, as big as you are now. But I was like, hold on, this person looks familiar. Wait, I know this person. That's when I see you <laughs> and I was like, wow, she is really killing it. So, Ingu, I'm going to stop talking, and I'm going to ask you one of the first questions, which is, if you can share a little bit about what even brought you to teaching in the first place. Sure. Well, thank you for that raving <laughs> of introduction. Oh my goodness. I just, you know, it's hard to hear those things, but I just receive it. And thank you so much just for that. Just the amazing words. I do remember it. Like that's such a cool connection that we have from the church. And I definitely had several mornings <laughs> where I did my greeting days before moving to growth track. So um, I just love that we have that little past connection. So um, for those who don't know me, my name is Megan Polk, and I am currently living in Nashville. I've lived in Houston, which is where um, we were at church together, but I'm now living in Nashville. So if there's anyone listening from Nashville, hit me up because I'm looking for just community and people to hang out with. But um, what really got me into teaching is it's actually interesting. I'm a military brat. So my mom and my dad were both in the United States Army, and they you know, they were in for a total of, I don't know, 25, 26 years. But with that, we moved around a lot. And typically there would be one parent who would be, you know, in the service and one might be civilian or however that worked out. And so typically if someone had to leave, the soldier had to leave, uh, the kids could stay home with usually the mother and be at a home base, be in a city, a state with, you know, friends and the same school. Well, my parents decided that they did not want to separate. And so the army would release um, someone from their assignment if someone else was called to another location. So because of that, we had to move frequently. Sometimes it would be, you know, every in a year. Sometimes it might be less than a year. If we went overseas, it would be two years. So with that, I have been in several schools across the U.S. and in two countries. And so what I realized with growing up with that type of background is when I got to school, I did not really feel welcomed by teachers. I sometimes, it took me a while to get connected with friendship, you know, friends and make friendships. But what really hit me was when I was a freshman in college, and again, when I was a junior in high school, we were asked a question to write this essay about, you know, your favorite teacher who impacted you. And it was at that moment in college where I actually realized, because obviously in college, it's for like a legit grade. So I was like, let me really think about this. But in college, I realized I don't remember any of my schools or my teachers. I remember two teachers out of my entire K through 12 experience. I can remember being in their classroom. I can remember what they did for me with being a new kid in the school, but all of my other the grades I've been, I don't remember my teacher's names. I don't remember what the classroom looked like. I don't remember what school I was in. I have to look at yearbooks and I'm like, I don't know who any of these kids are. Well, some of the kids, but I don't know who the teacher is. And I vowed to, you know, not let that become who I was. And so part of me um, wanting to become a teacher was I don't remember my teachers. And I know that if there's any kids like me that are very transitional, um, it is really hard to be in schools. And alongside that, I always had a liking for like babysitting. Part of it was like, I like to hustle early so I could babysit and make some money. But whenever I would babysit, I would actually teach versus playing. And some of the parents would come home and be like, wow, you know, so-and-so, like they never put a capital letter in the front of their name. And now they're doing it. Like you taught them that. Or, oh my gosh, we've been trying so hard to have so-and-so learn, you know, this pattern or tie their shoe and they come home from dinner and it's done. And so I was told really early by a lot of people that I babysat for, that I was in church, you know, ministry with kids for that, like, you have this gift with kids. And so I just kind of wanted to follow that. And then, you know, of course, my history with how I grew up being a student and not having those connections, I just vowed to be different and be the teacher, one of the two that I do remember. I love that. And I, I didn't know all of those things about you, military brat and all of that. And I kind of do resonate a little bit with um, like your experience with teachers um, because mine wasn't 
too welcoming of an environment. And I always talk about that. And and that's what kind of makes me passionate for the schools that I've served in as a teacher and a leader is specifically targeting Title I campuses where I am a mirror to a lot of my students. Yes. Um, And I say that because I did not have many, uh, I can probably say two teachers of color um, in my whole experience. And I went to a private school, um, K through 12, and a private Christian school, K through 12. And, and that was a little bit of a trauma-filled experience, and, and that really kind of propels me for the fight that I, I'm doing right now for, like, educational equity issues and all of that. And um, when I think about my experience, I really can't, you know, nail down one teacher who I just loved and had this great impact on me, and it kind of actually reminds me of even when I think about my work as a teacher and I think about my school leaders that I've had personally, again, can't think of one that's just been phenomenal and has really impacted me, you know, in a great way. I think maybe there's like one that, that probably hit the mark. But other than that, it's, it's, it's been crazy. And, and that, I think, too, is like one of the reasons why this podcast even exists, because there's a lot of like just lack of healthy work cultures that are pushing teachers out and why we have this great resignation to begin with. But anywho, I really want to learn a little bit more about like um, what grade levels did you end up teaching and how long were you in the classroom? Sure. And what you were saying about Title I, I've only taught in Title I schools. And so that is something too that I've just really loved. Um, Being a woman of color is being able to provide something to students who um, also, if they are transitioning in, you know, might not have had that experience otherwise. Um, But I have taught, I was in the classroom for 15 years. So I did um, quite a feat in the classroom um, between two states. I started, well, actually I started in Tennessee for one year um, and then I got to go to Georgia and I taught there and then I finished out my teaching career in Texas. And so I had started in kindergarten. I then moved up to second grade. I then moved up to fourth grade and loved everything about it, only taught self-contained, which I did not even realize that there was something called departmentalized until I moved to Texas because I just thought that you just teach all the subjects all the time. But when I moved to Texas, I actually got um, I actually got a position in an IB school, an international baccalaureate school. So we were self-contained. So it, you know, it was very easy for me to be in that model. Uh, so that's just been my career with that. And then after leaving fourth grade, I transitioned into an interventionist role where I got to work with K through five, uh, the lowest of the grade levels. And I just loved being able to support them with reading and writing. And then during that time frame, I also got uh, trained and certified with being able to give dyslexia interventions. So I also did that for first through fifth grade. So really loved it. Um you know, start. I feel like I liked my jump from going from kindergarten to second to fourth grade. I know that a lot of teachers don't have that option and it kind of just stumbled and happened that way. But I told myself that I would never teach above second grade ever. And I moved to fourth grade because I did a little writing camp for second, like, well, for the school, I did a writing camp and they're like, oh, you like writing? And of course, fourth grade is a star tested grade with writing. So they were like, ooh, we have plans for you. And they told me, uh, you know, you can move back to second grade if you just absolutely hate it. And I remember saying, you know, every week, okay, I want to go back to second grade. I'm done with fourth grade. But I ended up loving it and I just didn't want to admit it. So I just kind of finished up in upper elementary land. And that's kind of how, you know, that's kind of uh, my school history of what I've done. So I've taught K through five, literally. And then, of course, done things with um, tutoring and stuff like that. And now I know we'll get to it with, with what I'm doing right now currently, but I am in Tennessee. And while I'm not full time in the classroom and I won't be, um, at least right now in this season, I did start subbing this school year. And so it's been kind of fun to actually go in and provide a level of rigor and support and education where teachers can actually be away and know that their material is getting taught, that their management's getting taught. Because I understand what it's like being in the classroom and getting the sub that didn't want to be there. And so now I just kind of feel like I can be able to gift myself back 
by, um, by subbing. So I do that occasionally, which is a lot of fun. So I was going to kind of ask you, what was your preference? Was it the ECE or lower L or upper L? But you kind of talked about it as far as like you actually kind of like those fourth graders a little bit. And I laugh because I, well, in Texas, my cert is EC through six. Yes. My principal cert is EC through 12, but my teaching cert is EC through six. And then I have the ESL as well. And I was always the person like, I'm only sticking with upper elementary. Like that's it. Like third, fourth, fifth are my people. And, um, Third is what I entered into education teaching. And then from there, I moved up to fourth. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love fourth grade. I will never teach fifth grade. Then I moved up to fifth. And fifth to this very day is my favorite. I went on to do sixth grade as well and got that dosage of middle school. But Mm -hmm. what I really love is fifth grade. I am an upper elementary girl through and through. And I love fifth grade so much. Now, I'm not sure about my little friends. Like, I love seeing them and waving at them in the hallways. But (laughs) really, you know, teaching them, not my cup of tea but also that plays into just like my personality type and how I'm set up and it's like kindergarten gonna be crying in a corner just because the way that I present myself um but um anywho loved hearing that and so I didn't know 15 years good lord that's a real (laughs) slow clap right there because my my journey was eight years and out um, so the fact that you did 15 now interventionist, where you pull in some small groups or wh- how was that a little bit different? Yeah. So with the interventionist, it was still obviously full-time teacher. I did focus on pulling small groups, but what I learned is that different campuses can kind of structure that, di- that support differently. And so my day was filled with pulling small groups because a lot of the time I was giving tier three intervention. So your teachers are your audience, so you kind of probably know what that is, but I was basically providing that really, really, really small, small, small group intervention before they might go into testing because of the lack of just them not being able to catch on or make um, make the passing standards. And so I did primarily do pullouts, and so they would come to my little classroom. I would keep them, instruct them, collect data on them, and then, you know, send them back. But I also was able to support first-year teachers, and if a first-year teacher, if they were first-year to the district, or if they were a teacher that might have been on a growth plan, or if they were a teacher that just kind of really needed and desired support. So as being like the expert on the campus, I was also able to attend planning meetings or actually go in and do teacher coaching or go in and actually do modeled lessons. So it kind of gave me that feel of still being in the classroom, but just I knew that my initial role did look different because I was on the other spectrum with the students who were kind of struggling and having a hard time. And with being in those Title I schools, even when I got to fourth grade, I think part of it was some of them were on a second grade level except they were older. We could talk about things. We could actually do things. They were a little bit more responsible. And so those fourth and fifth graders, I just really, I don't know, with with the third and the fourth and the fifth that I worked with, even in small group, I just could see how some of them came on like a first grade, second grade level, and they were already defeated. And so I think I also fell in love with that age because I was determined to like help close the gap. And I used to say, like you were mentioning how you would be with kindergarten, Something that I would always tell people is like, you know, each of the grades has a different pro and con list. And when I left kindergarten and sometimes second grade, I would be more physically exhausted because you're just doing and doing and helping and opening and doing it all. But when I left like fourth grade or the upper elementary kids, I'd be like mentally exhausted because you're digging into the content and you're doing all of this. Um, and so, yeah, like my, my, my small group interventionist role would be more so pulling out, doing those interventions, but then I did have a level of being able to support teachers, which was really nice. And so as you reflect on that, did you have a preference of what you prefer? Like, did you prefer being that self-contained teacher who was teaching all the content to like 30 plus kids in these Title I classrooms? Or did you prefer your interventionist work with working with tier three students um, and doing that in small group? 
So I, you know, when I first started the interventionist role, again, it's like different roles. There are just sacrifices that you make with being in it, but there's also some rewards. And I will say that I found my greatest just reward and fulfillment being in that interventionist role. And that's kind of what sparked, you know, the business that I have today is being able to think about those students who might have had who knows who, what kind of teacher that just gave up on them or, you know, reprimanded them. And so they would come with just a lot of stuff. And so I'm just like, no, 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 like, we're going to learn this and you're going to be impactful and you're going to be successful. And so I definitely um, loved, loved, loved the internet, the interventionist role. I would have honestly never left, but obviously I did. And I think the the flip side to the classroom is I just being self-contained, it gave me a lot of flexibility because if I really wanted to go super in depth on a social studies lesson, I could do it knowing that I could make up that time and spend more time on math like the next week or the next day. And so I did like this, the flexibility of my time with intervention. You have to do certain groups at certain times because of their schedules. And sometimes I didn't like, you know, pulling certain groups at certain times of day, like kindergarten at the end of the day. I'm just like, why is that a thing? But year to year, the specials would change and rotate to let different grade levels have you know, preferences and things like that. And so there was a year I had kindergarten at 2 p.m. And I'm just like, I I, I hate this, you know? <laughs> but ultimately, I did love the interventionist role. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about like what was going on and maybe that there's a specific thing that might've been happening that propelled you from moving from the classroom as, you know, teacher of record, so to speak, to being an interventionist and then from interventionist, why you ultimately exited to begin with. But we'd love to hear about like what was really going on um, and kind of like, I always phrase it as the straw that broke the camel's back as far as like what was happening that made you ultimately put in that resignation and say, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z instead. So take us through that journey. So from the classroom to intervention, I think it was a matter of people calling the champion out of me and just saying, you know, you have this thing, like, what do you think about this? And I think in the beginning, I was thinking, like, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm good enough to do that. And so, but, you know, it was about being able to say, no, like, I, I can see the scores. I see the relationships with my students. I see the relationships with their grownups, their parents, caregivers. And I did want something that could bring me like a different taste of education because I told myself from graduating that I'm going to do 10 years. And then after 10 years, I'm going to open up a daycare. I'm going to do something else. And that did not happen by year 10. So I was like, Ooh, I guess I'm going to stay in teaching. But you know, with the classroom, it's like, I do feel like there's, there's only so much with the different grade level, the different student groups I got every year that did provide change, but I really was craving just something because I was getting like the burnout and I was just kind of exhausted with the same routine, mundane kind of, you know, thing. I mean, I do have ADHD as well. And so part of that is just like, I really was just kind of itching for something new as well. And so when I got presented with the opportunity, I just asked some questions and I was like, you know what, this could actually be what I need to provide a different side of education. And it did. And so I loved being able to be on on the more, I mean, I would say it's probably more on like the admin side because I did have to be in a lot of meetings now, whereas in the classroom, I might attend with a student, but I was actually part of our intervention assistance team. I was like the leader doing um, everything. So I kind of got a dose of that side as well, which kind of was really great for perspective. And so with doing the interventionist role, again, it was never the students, which was the reason I left. I think the reason I stayed so long was the students. Um, I actually, one of my most favorite principals uh, ended up transitioning to a middle school. And I knew that I wanted to try my hand at, at my current business, hmm, probably in... 20, maybe 17, the, the school year of 2017, 2018. Didn't do it because, you know, I'm just thinking like, oh, you know, healthcare, like, what am I going to do? I'm single. Like, I don't know how all this works. And so I did it. But what actually transitioned me from making that jump is I experienced racism for the first time at my school. We got a new principal and it was the worst 
experience that I've had in my 15 years of teaching. I did not know honestly what to do. I've obviously experienced the different types of, of actions and things in the world, you know, people saying comments and, you know, derogatory and using words and names and slurs and things like that. But in the school, like I just did not experience that even working for um, Caucasian principals. And so I experienced that. And during that school year, it literally just became so toxic. I started having health issues. I was like, I'm going to leave, you know, I'm literally going to leave. And it, it wasn't until, uh, I went to church and I listened to, I, I heard a sermon and it was like, you know, God is going to either calm the storm or he's going to provide you peace through the storm. And I was at a position where I could leave. Um, I was at, you know, I was like, I'm just going to do my business. I I'm at that place, but I just heard so clearly, you know, you're, you need to learn something through this. And so I stayed, this was the school year of, uh, 2019 to 2020 when the pandemic hit and, you know, the pandemic was a horrible thing. However, for me, it provided me to not have to go back to that building once March rolled around. And so I was able to work with my students virtually. I could do everything. And then I was actually able to resign and exit without actually having to physically see the kids because I know that every year prior, the two years prior when I wanted to resign, I just looked at the kids and them saying, I'll see you next year. I just, I broke and I was like, I can't resign. But I finally was like, you know what? It's not worth it for the environment, for what it's doing on my health, for what it's, you know, it's just very toxic. Um, I wasn't really getting a lot of support from the district. And so it's just one of those decisions that I said, you know what? It is not worth it. If I have to go and do something else to supplement, if my business falls apart, it's just worth it in this moment because no one deserves to be treated a way outside of respect. Um, and then also it's just not worth it for my mental and my physical health. Wow. Um, that really just kind of makes me upset, honestly, because that's one thing, like when that word gets thrown around like racism like that just takes me to a whole nother like <laughs> person um because again I have definitely experienced that um and in multiple ways and uh, from microaggressions on to more intensified situations sure. um but yeah that's not okay and I'm wondering like to the extent that you would feel comfortable, if you would be willing to share a little more of like examples of some of the um, ways that you were experiencing racism from a school leader. Yeah, I mean, sure. It's like, I'm at that point, you know, obviously when I was in the school still, I tried my best just to kind of shield it from other teachers that were there. Um, there were there was another administrator that was also kind of we we were kind of hanging together because she was African American. We were experienced very similar things, um, but you know some of it just blanket statements was just in the words like being you know being called the N word, um, being saying like this is why you people and it's just instead of saying like a person, it's just saying like you people and then fill in the blank. Um, on the ninth day of school, I was written up and I had a complete, it was completely, uh, it was completely like not anything that would have happened. Um, but I was like written up to be painted as this way and, um, by things that I was saying and doing, and that was just not in my character, not in my nature, but I'm like on the ninth day of school. And so from that point on, I just decided to start every time I had to meet with this administrator, every time I had to be in the presence of, I started recording all of my all of my uh, situations, and um, thank goodness I did because he then tried to, uh, basically, you know, on top of just the words and making you feel less than. I think it was a mixture of not just race, but also me being like my race and a woman. Um, so it was kind of that little power type of situation. So definitely within the wording of not addressing me by my first name or my last name, but by a different name, which I was just, I honestly kind of froze and was like replaying in my head, surely like what words rhyme with that, that, you know, did I really hear Megan? Like, no, it, it doesn't, it didn't make sense. And it was just the most hurtful 
and embarrassing and just, it just really got to changing who I am. Uh, so at any rate, I was so grateful that I did record every interaction and every um, situation with this administrator because as the paperwork kept getting uh, sent off, basically trying to get me like on a plan to where either I would leave or I would get forced to leave, um, I was actually able to play for our SSO. I was actually able to play what actually happened and it negated what was actually written down. And so at that point in time, they started doing investigations and that followed me through the summer because the other admit the other person uh, spoke out as well. And I'd already put in my papers to resign. And so they actually reached out to me, HR, and were like, can we get a collection of all of your video? I mean, all of the audio. I did the voice memos and it's just dated it's timestamped. It has the actual words and things like that. And um, I was able to give that. And I was like, I hope it just helps the people after me. But luckily for myself, I'm rooted in who I am. It did kind of spiral me into like becoming someone I wasn't because I just didn't know how to deal with this. But I just hope that everything that I could do and provide helps someone who is not as strong because it was definitely not... Uh, it was not a fun experience with, um, with the with the separations of things, um, you know, with what would even would be what would even be given, what I would receive would be different if it was like a. Um, I'm just telling you, like literally, if you can think back to like segregation, where it's like you all get this and then this is for you, it was it was completely just like going back into time. This is crazy. I can't believe. I'm just flabbergasted because one, we just talked about how, you know, I said, hey, I've only served and worked at Title I schools. You were like, yeah, same here. Um, hello. I know that there were a multitude of like black and brown kids yes. at that school. But then you have a white male, I believe, yes. right? Okay who is stepping into the ultimate position of power, quote unquote, on a school campus to set the precedence for every decision that is made that is going to directly impact and influence the education that these black and brown kids are receiving. And yes. that's what really, that's just really what is irritating my soul and my spirit right now, um, because one thing that I'm big on, and, you know, I talk very candidly on all of my social platforms because I just say what I want to say and how it needs to be said so it can be received. And if it if you can't say amen, you say ouch and we keep it pushing because I'm not for everybody. But one thing that I say a lot because of the work that I do around coaching teachers when it comes to their classroom management and culture in Title I spaces you have to check your implicit biases, right? And so I'm thinking about like, what are all of, again, like the biases that this person held, of course they're blatant, like racist, you know, but in addition to that, it's just like, I'm sick. I, and I'm kind of, I'm just like irritated because I'm like, those poor, first of all, for you, that is horrible. And then thinking about, again, all of those students that were like impacted by, this person who is supposed to be a leader and looking out for your well-being and putting systems and structures in place, like this is, yeah, that and is you definitely just saw it with the students head. as well. Like that was definitely it was a difference with student A could do this, student B does the same thing, but the but the um, the outcomes were very different. Um, what you know, it, it's like you saw it all the time, and so I just kind of on top of my own self, it's like I was like, I have to pick up and be an advocate for these students as well, and then just like pray that change happens and that, um, you know, people start recognizing real for what it is. Man, like that is so horrible. Okay, so what ended up happening? You know, HR is doing their thing and it sounds like they were kind of dragging it out a little bit. Um, but I'm glad that too, that the other administrator who was a person of color was able to kind of step up and share as well. So I'm curious as to um, what was the outcome? 
Yes. So, you know, with being contacted in the summer after I'm already released from the school district, I'm thinking, oh, wow, you know, even though I had some situations and talked with the SSO like during the school year and I really didn't feel like progress was made, I was like, maybe they're really taking a, a taking this serious for what it is because it is serious how he was treating admit um how he was treating you know employee and staff as well as students but you know um i still talked to the other administrator and uh he is still in position at that school and i think for me it was a big eye-opening experience that was like it's far beyond the school that you teach at and the kids that you get to serve I will not work for a district that does not look out for their their employees and their staff. And so while I was staying for the students and staying for a position that I loved, I recognized if the values and core beliefs of a district do not align, I will not be a part of it. And so that was really what just allowed me to say, you know what? We are, we are done and it's not worth it. And if I have to go and figure out something else, like I said, if everything crumbles, I will be okay because I know that my environment will be healthy and strong. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where I will not go back and work for that district. I like, I, I cannot, and I will not, I will not support it. Wow. Oh my gosh. Still freaking working there. Yes. I, can. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. Um, I'm going to continue some more of this conversation when the podcast recording is off. But anyway, I'm going to move to the next piece because, yes, okay, we've talked about your journey, your experience. Let's talk about TPT. So you mentioned in 2017, it kind of like came up. You didn't really like go for it. But then like when was the time that you actually started to, you know, say, hey, I'm a, you know, I think TPT makes it. You put your first resource free and then you can start right. yes. um, charging for the. So tell me a little bit about the timeline there and um, like what even sparked your interest to want to go into TPT when there's so many different avenues? What was, you know, the draw there? So with TPT, it was really kind of interesting because I, along with a friend, sometimes we would go to Louisiana and do like little presentations and just, you know, want to present at their conferences. And it was one particular conference that I went to and I was presenting and I would obviously make some material because it matched what I was teaching on and then I would give it to the participants. And so one particular participant had asked me, you know, do you like sell these? Do you sell more of these? And so in person, I was kind of like, what? Like, do I sell more of these? Like, no, like, no, I just, I just make them. No, I just make them for like my, and this took a lot. I usually just make it like hand scribble scratched and put it on the wall, but I formatted it for this session. And so then she emailed me about maybe like a week later, she wrote me an email and she was like, oh my goodness. Like I took this back to my classroom. Like my students are doing things that you haven't done before. Like, do you have more of these? And then she said in another follow-up email, she was like, if you like, do you have these on Teachers Pay Teachers? Like, I would love to like buy these. And I was like, Teachers Pay Teachers. And so I feel like I've heard of Teachers Pay Teachers, but I never really um, used it because I felt like some of the things, if I got it for free before paying for it, I'd have to alter it. Or I really didn't, it didn't really work well for my students or my group that I had. And this was back in 2014. 2014, 2015. So finally in 2015 in the summer, I was like, well, let me just make a TPT store and maybe make a goal to say, like, I can just try to put a couple of things in there. And because I'm self-contained, I started with like math task cards. And so that's like my first products were like math, addition and subtraction task cards. And then I just kind of paused on it, but it wasn't until April of 2016 where I was like, okay, I'm going to start like sharing the things that I'm doing because if there are other teachers out there that are like me that maybe don't have a lot of resources or support, or if their students are three grade levels below what the current grade level is and I, I have to adapt everything anyway, then I wanna be able to help those teachers and help those students because I started seeing some um, success. And so I made it a point in April of 2016 to just kind of start focusing more on literacy because that's really where the gap was with my students. Math was like pretty okay for them because it's just like numbers and computation, but 
they struggled on word problems. So I did still stay with like word problems because that's reading. And um, yeah, and so by 2017, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, what I thought was just putting up a couple of resources, maybe making, you know, $50 where I could then use that money to pay for school supplies and, you know, stuff for parties and like classroom books and stuff like that. Um, it completely just like grew, even in what would people would call an oversaturated field or market like elementary ELA for upper element, you know, upper elementary. So, um, so that is when I really got started was by way of a woman being like, do you have this stuff to offer? There's this site and you can really just like put it on there and people can purchase it and it can help us. And so I just started my journey in 2016. And so by 2017, 2018, I was like, okay, like I'm actually making some money off this thing. And I was like, I really would love to try my hand at doing this full time. But I kind of let a couple of things that are still, you know, my current situation, you know, stop me, which was like, I, I always told my coworkers, if I were married and had that, that other income, I would totally leave and just try it and see what happens. And then I said like, oh gosh, like, I don't know what I'm going to do without healthcare. Like I have to get it on my own and I, that's too hard to figure out. So I stayed in the classroom and I would just basically do this side hustle pretty much full time outside of school hours. So like evenings and weekends, weekends were really my time to like work and crank it out. And so then finally I got to the point where I was like, you know, supplementing my income, my revenue from my job. Like I was matching and exceeding my teaching salary and I still stayed in the school you know, two additional years because I just loved my position and I loved being able to use what I created with students and get ideas from those students. And so uh, that's when I just, you know, so really when I had that horrible, horrible school year, I just kept hearing like, you wanted to leap that school year that just completely went to shambles. You wanted, you were going to resign at the end of 2019 and you didn't. And you went through all of this. And so now it just kind of lets me know when you want to do something and start something, you just do it. And, you know, um, or you can still get there, but you might have some bumps and stuff along the way. So that's kind of how I um, got, you know, into TPT. And it's just completely been life-changing. And anybody literally can do it if I did. I love that. So you're creating these engaging, hands-on literacy resources that are really helping, you know, students develop their love for reading and writing. I'm curious to hear a little bit about um, how did you even know what to do um, as far as like how to get these resources to sell? And I'm going to say that because um, I know you're an Instagram superstar, but the platform that I love near and dear to my soul is TikTok. And that's where my folks are. And so with that, I saw a TikTok video that came across my um, FYP, or they now call it the For You Feed, FYF. But anyway, it was <laughs> this teacher like making this video about um, trying to sell things on TPT. <laughs> folks in the comments, and they were basically like trying to sell stuff on TPT, made $10 or something like that. And then the other person in the comment was like, been six months, made five bucks. And then the <laughs> other person was like, oh, it's been a year. I made $60. And so it's like, hmm, okay. So Megan, how did you learn how to make it work? One, it sounds like you had a niche. And I know that is so popular nowadays. The folks are like, you are the niche. Don't be the niche. I feel like you need a niche. You do. At least you do. start out until you become Tony Robbins or, or uh, what's the other lady name? I don't know. But um, yeah, like where exactly did you learn how to make this successful? I know the Lord leads us and guides us along the way. But did you like invest in any support, any coaching, any courses? Or it's just like, hey, trial and error, figured it out. 
So in the very beginning, I will say I did not invest in any courses. I honestly didn't really know what to do. I kind of, I, I, I will tell people I'm like an accidental entrepreneur. Like I, I had, you know, once I figured out, oh, there's this platform and like, oh my gosh, I made two sales today. I can go like, that's going to cover my coffee, you know? And I was completely happy with that. But once I did start creating um, these resources and I just wanted to figure out like, okay, yes, there's SEO, there's basic traffic that's going to bring people to my resource on the platform or, you know, from Google because TPT is like a big, um, it's a big company. But you also can't just rely on SEO when there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of resources in the marketplace. And so that is when I decided that... Um, in, was it 2016 or 2017? One of those years, I decided to start an Instagram page. And I first was playing around with Facebook, like having a Facebook page. And like, I just kind of realized, like, like you said, TikTok, like some, like the, I have friends who are really successful on Facebook and it's like, you just have to find where your people are. But for me as a person, I was already using Instagram at this time, TikTok wasn't even really a thing, or at least I wasn't even into it. And so I just kind of was like, okay, the two things that I can do that I'm in, that I'm actually using and I actually like using are Pinterest and Instagram. And so I did create a Pinterest page. And back then, I know the algorithm has changed and the platform has changed tremendously. And so has my revenue because I was making a, you know, 30% of my revenue was coming from Pinterest way back when. And so I was committing to showcasing what a picture of this resource and a description of it and then linking it straight to the resource itself. So Pinterest was a great traffic revenue, um, you know, bringing traffic to my page. But then also I was like, okay, so you see the picture, but if I put this out here, I'm imagining people having questions. And so that's where Instagram came where it's like, okay, I can make an Instagram page. Not only can I just showcase a photo of what this is or samples of student work because that's really where it lies. Is like they teachers want to see that like, how can I use this in my classroom? And seeing students using it or seeing samples of it makes them feel like, oh, I could totally envision this in my room. So with Instagram, I, I mean, literally that blows my mind too as the growth of it. I never thought that my Instagram page would grow the way that it has either. So I've just been in a lot of like, whoa, but what I can say about my Instagram page is I really wanted to make that a resource, a free resource, a free place where if teachers found me, they could actually read and get ideas and get tips and get ways to execute it or to get, you know, um, ways that they can be able to, you know, use this for small group, use it for whole group, use it for at home practice. And so I try with every post I do to give a little bit in terms of the behind the scenes or how to make this work. And that I feel like really brought people over to one, like knowing me and liking me and trusting me because I was giving them more than just buy this resource for $5 and figure it out yourself. And so once I could build that up, people were really okay with tagging a friend because they we're like, we've tried this, it's trusted and true. And this person is actually giving us something. And on top of that, it's social media. I feel, I, I know there's so many people who either have people who run their social media or they're so big, they don't have to respond back. But I literally talk and respond back to every person that writes a comment or that writes a DM. Now, in this day and age, my DMs get a little bit more backed up. And so it might take me a few more days to get to them. But I will respond to any person who writes a comment on my post. And I think that alone helps with that relationship piece so that when I post something, they're ready and willing to, to grab it, support me, and then share me with a friend. And so those are the main ways that I, I've been like marketing in the beginning. And then once I kind of was like, okay, like I need to really figure this out or like what else could I do? I did... Um, get in, I did take some courses where I could learn how to leverage just my business in general. And like, even on the TPT site, learning like, what are some key things that I can add there that I did not know before? Or what can I do on, you know, with email list building? Because I did not have an email list when I first started. And that's honestly the first thing I wish I had have done in 2016. And so I have taken courses with like learning how to um, collect leads and generate and like, you know, warm up your audience there. I took courses on Facebook ads. So that's another thing that I do is I run a couple of ads to find 
you know, my audience that would never find me and then get them over into my world. And, um, and then I've also been a part of masterminds and I actually currently hired a coach that I start with in February. So I'm trying to do those things now too, where I can actually be streamlined to my specific business and goals. And then hopefully that will just continue the growth of everything else that I'm doing. Love it. So tell us a little bit about your membership, because I was doing my research and looking on your beautiful website linked in the show notes below for those who are listening but tell me a little bit about that membership I mean from what I've seen it looks great because one thing you talk about is routines and so even though yours are like focused around literacy routines for me I love talking about procedures and routines there are multiple aspects and that's one of my pet peeves is folks always just think classroom management is procedures and routines when it's much more than that. But when I think about one of my favorite aspects is like procedures and routines. So I would love to learn a little bit more beyond the literacy routines. What else is included inside of your membership? And when did you kind of launch that piece? Yes. So this is, uh, this is like a new baby of mine. I wanted, I had the ideas for this like two years ago and for whatever reason, found every excuse under the sun to not make it happen. And finally I was like, I want to make this happen before 2022 ends. And so I actually launched, um, this membership writing made simple in October. So that was like the first round of routines that went out. And I love calling it that because it's like, this is something that you want your students to be doing, you know, daily if, 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 if possible, but they're just really, really quick. And so they really can be used anytime you have those dead minutes, because I know that I had a lot within my schedule. And so it's like, now you can make it purposeful. And with seeing that it's not going to be, you know, ripped up and graded, it's not going to be, it's like students can just do these routines for the joy and that excitement and the happiness. And some of them will make them laugh and they can share. And it just has so many benefits. And so I do include the routines, everything done for the teachers. But then I also give them a very simple lesson plan that actually has scripted what they will say to introduce it. And everything, the lesson plan is like a one pager. And I did it intentionally to show them this is not some kind of scary four page thing that like, you have to, um, you have to do. And like, then you're just like, oh gosh, this is overwhelming. It's like, this is how simple it is. So the first half of it is giving them the scaffolded quotes of like, this is what you can say. Like today we're going to learn about something called procedural writing. Do you know what this is? And they can literally read it. And then it walks them through the routine. It tells them exactly what to do down to click the slide once this is going to appear, click the slide here. This is going to appear. And then I do, um, also give them like extension and support ideas because I just know in my classroom, I had students who did need support, whether they were ESL, whether they were, you know, special education, whether they were just like needing additional time. And then I had students who were like GT or who loved writing and they needed more. So I give those ideas to them, just kind of thinking in the mind. And I think one of the most beneficial parts to this that teachers have raved about is I give them exemplars so that it's literally writing um, that matches one, like one of the first routines. And that way they can become a writing superstar in front of their students, whether they, if they use mine, their students never know it, but they can also build their confidence because I will give them exactly what they can write for every routine that can be able to be used for modeling, or they can say, oh, well, I did this routine too. Listen to what I wrote and they're not having to come up with it. And so the lesson plan, again, between both of those, it's a two pager. That's what they receive, which has been just like gold. And then I give them printable options. I like to tell them that you can just use your notebook. You can use a sticky note. You can use an index card because some of these are that quick that you really don't need a full page. But I know that some people want to use them in literacy centers or they want to use them for tutorials or they want to send them home. So I do include um, printable templates that they can use, but I always say these are optional. You don't, you can do these routines without even using them. And then um, the one thing I do is I do a video walkthrough, which is again, a really quick video, but it's me walking through the routine, talking about it so that teachers can feel really comfortable and confident with it. So everything about this membership is simple, which is why I named it Writing Made Simple. It's like, I wanna keep everything simple, achievable, attainable, and I want you to be able to execute it and get those gains and those results. 
I love this. I love it so much. And as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, hmm, I'm going to have to chat with you further because my audience is folks who are in their first five years of the profession, especially those first year teachers who are really trying to have their classroom management solid or improve it because they maybe didn't focus on that their first year and instead just wanted to decorate their room so the classroom management fell to the wayside but it's okay because we are continuous um learners Learners, here absolutely but i'm thinking about i'm like hmm I have to, I, I'm gonna have to talk to Megan about how I can get this out to my folks because I know like my my audience would really 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 benefit from this because again it's like what you're saying it's simple it's streamlined it's effective and that's what I'm all about too when it comes to like classroom management best practices but you know those who are um, liter like reading teachers ELA they would really love this I can already tell so we're going to chat about that but anywho I would love it because I know there's folks listening to this right now and they're like you have given them so much hope um from just sharing your journey with them and so for those who are listening to this right now and they've heard this episode about you and your success of going from classroom to entrepreneur and creating this, you know, literacy legacy, so to speak, how would you advise them to get started? Like three top tips. I want to go take my TPT business and put it in motion in this new year three things that they can do as quick as tomorrow to get it started. Yes. Okay. So I like, so one thing that you can do, there are several Facebook groups that actually are helpful versus being toxic. Um, There are some groups where it's like, you'll know, but you know, even if there's good content in there because it was in there for years ago and it's turned to something else, you can still use the search feature and type for certain, you know, topics of, you know, background or PowerPoint or tips, you know, you can use the keyword searching to still find posts from years ago that have really, really great um, tips and feedback. So there are quite a few really, really, really good, solid groups that I'm a part of. And even though I feel like now I know how to do all of those things, there are still new things coming that I did not have access to back then. And people are so nice and kind to share it. So getting and finding some Facebook groups, that's free. You can do it. Um, I, I mean, I can go through my list. I'm trying to think of some off the top of my, my head, but um, you can definitely reach out to me. I can give you some Facebook groups to start you with TPT. And then also there, I'm um, listening to podcasts. There are so many podcasts that are free to listen to, and they have really, really great actionable steps for everything from blogging and SEO. So if you do have TPT resources and you have a blog, you can be able to see how can I get those resources onto my blog, which then can be able to be one more way to get traffic. There are, you know, podcasts. There are a few podcasts, three or four, that are specifically for TPT sellers, whether you're at the beginning, middle, or end of your career, as well as one for entrepreneurial um, journey with from TPT from TPT. So um, I can definitely give you a list of those, but listen to podcasts. And then I would say, if you know that this is what you want to do and you really do need like handholding or you really just do need like focus support, definitely invest in yourself. Like I learned like, you know, there is nothing like investing in what you want to do. And I think so oftentimes we don't because it's like, I don't want to spend that money, but you really do have to spend money in order to make money. So whether it's in a course you're going to learn those skills and that craft or that tip that's going to actually help you save five hours because you are doing it this way. And there's actually a button that does it this way. And so you can actually learn just more and feel more confident. And then my last thing is just people. Talk to people. There were so many people that I talked to by just reaching out in a direct message of like, hey, I saw that you recently left. Can you tell me about that journey and what it looked like? You will be surprised at how many people love sharing about their journey and just want to see other people help, especially in this field. And so talking to people about their steps, talking about what they did for healthcare, talking about what opportunities or what, you know, they wish that they would have done when they started. And that can really help you to prepare yourself for making that leap. 
Love it. This is so good. So good, Megan. And I think it's also super powerful to hear that from you. Like, as we've talked about a little in this conversation, you being a um, person of color, you know, I don't see that many TPT superstars that look like me. And honestly, that might be part of the reason why I never like thought TPT. It was always for me, it was a coaching business from the jump. Um, so I really never considered like TPT. And I, and when I think about it and reflect, why is that tyranny? Well, could be because I didn't <laughs> see anybody who looked like me really out there killing it. But now right. seeing you being able to share, you know, what you're doing with um, the audience here, I think that's really going to be powerful. And I love, I love seeing your success. And, you know, I can tell the true time and intentionality that you put behind your work from even when you think about social media, some folks, you can tell they just like throw social posts up there and keep it pushing. I can tell even by the detail of your captions, how much, you know, like time and intentionality you put into your work. And so I'm just excited for you, excited for all of the things that you're doing and how successful you've been able to be. And I thank you for coming on this podcast today and inspiring my audience. Thank you so much for having me. Like I said, it's not often that I do get to share about my journey with this. I mean, I've talked to a couple of people, but it's been really, it's been very just powerful and it's been very like liberating to be able to share about what got me to this place because it's quite possible that if things didn't happen that were just horrible, like I might not be where I am today, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so thank you so much for one, having this platform and having this place where people can come and listen to other stories of people and also just kind of be able to reflect on their own personal, you know, um, lives. And even if nothing is going wrong, it doesn't mean that you can't take a leap and, and take a jump. And so thank you so much for having me on here. I just have enjoyed this so much. Yes. Thank you so much, Megan. And so if you are listening to this podcast right now, Every resource that you need in order to connect with Megan um, is going to be linked in the show notes down below. If you are a teacher looking to try something new or a former teacher turned entrepreneur looking to make a difference and to dabble in TPT, this is the best episode for you. So again, click the link um, in the description down below in order to learn more about how you can connect with Megan and stay tuned because next week is our season finale of season four. Thank you for listening to the Teachers Who Quit podcast. Keep listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe and leave us a review to get a shout out on our socials. And remember to shamelessly choose you.